Hey, Christ community, thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey. Last week, uh, we started a very important teaching series in which we're looking at this idea of kingdom culture. The overarching question in this series is how are we as Christ followers to live in the midst of a culture like ours, a culture that is filled with divisiveness and hatred, a culture where anything goes in terms of sexuality and morality, a culture that increasingly ignores or rejects the values that are such a vital part of our faith. As we began to talk about last week, the answer to that question centers upon a concept that Jesus talked about all the time, the concept of kingdom. When Jesus began his public ministry, this was the content of his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Notice how Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He's not simply talking about a, a future reality that we will experience one day in heaven. No, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is proclaiming a new way of living now, a way of living in which we experience Jesus as king in the here and now. Jesus is announcing that we have access to fullness of life in the kingdom of God in the present. That's why this is such good news. But notice he also says, repent, which implies that there's another kingdom that is also at work in the world, a kingdom in which God is not on the throne. Self is. As we talked about last week, in this kingdom, we define what is good and evil. In this kingdom, we use power to control and manipulate and oppress in order to achieve our own desires. So before Jesus came, this kingdom was in operation, basically without resistance. And the result is all around us. Oppression, war, conflict, greed, relational strife, sexual exploitation, hatred, anger, division. I mean, this is what life looks like when self is on the throne. In fact, this is what the world looks like when it pursues a power over kingdom. So when Jesus comes on the scene announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand, he is inviting us into a radically different way of living, a way that is completely counter to the kingdom we have been born into, where self is king, do what you can to get what you want. That's the kingdom we instinctively embrace and understand. That's the water we as humans instinctively swim in. So for Jesus to come along and begin inviting us to live according to this other kingdom, the kingdom of God, that's going to require quite a bit of explanation, which is exactly what we see happening at the end of Matthew chapter four. Look at this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Notice what's happening here. Jesus is demonstrating the power of this kingdom. People are being healed and delivered from demonic bondage, and he is proclaiming the nature of this kingdom. Jesus, or Matthew says that Jesus was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He is explaining what the kingdom is like. He is teaching people what the kingdom of God is like because it is unlike any kingdom they have ever experienced or even imagined. As we said last week, living according to the kingdom of God is completely counter to living according to the kingdom of this world. They are polar opposites. And what is so important to realize is that we have a daily moment by moment choice as to which kingdom we will live under. We have a choice as to, kind, as to the kind of life we will pursue. 
So this leads us into Matthew chapters 5 to 7, in which Jesus gives us a very vivid and powerful description of what it looks like to live as people of the kingdom of God. These chapters are are often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Some have referred to these chapters as the Magna Carta of the Christian life. In these seminal and foundational chapters, Jesus explains what the nature and values of the kingdom of God are and how we are to embrace those. So for the next few months, we're going to be walking through this passage and letting it shape us and challenge us and bless us. In fact, this entire teaching of Jesus begins with this word, blessed. Jesus is inviting us into a way of living that opens the door for God's blessing in our lives. All right, so let me start by reading Matthew chapter 5, beginning in these first couple verses here. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. I want you to notice to whom this three-chapter description of the kingdom is addressed. Matthew mentions here two groups of people. First, he mentions the disciples. This was a smaller group of ordinary people whom Jesus had invited into his inner circle. But Matthew also mentions the crowds, which we know from the end of chapter 4 included people from both Jewish regions as well as Gentile regions. So this crowd that had gathered was an ethnically and spiritually diverse group of people. All of that is to emphasize, I'm just saying that to emphasize that this message of Jesus is for anyone and everyone. Whether you are just exploring this Jesus stuff, or maybe you have walked with him for years, Jesus is inviting all of us to experience the reality of the kingdom of God in the here and now. And not surprisingly, Jesus begins this entire teaching with an absolutely critical, essential foundation to kingdom living. If we miss this, we miss everything. Verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice how in this first blessing, or beatitude as it's sometimes called, Jesus brings up the kingdom. And notice how when he brings up the kingdom, it's in the present tense. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is describing the kingdom of God as something we can experience in the present. It's like Jesus is giving us the access code to kingdom living. Right in this verse, Jesus is giving us the access code to kingdom living. So I have an access code to this church building. Whenever I type in that access code, I am able to step into this building and enjoy the warmth or other resources that this building offers me. See, that's what Jesus is offering us in this first beatitude. He is giving us all the access code to experiencing the kingdom. Now, please, please, please hear me. This is not just about salvation. Too many people have read this Sermon on the Mount through a reductionistic lens of salvation, as if this teaching of Jesus is simply about how you get saved. But that is to miss the power and fullness of Jesus' words. Jesus is calling us to so much more than just being saved. I mean, don't settle for just being saved, really. Jesus is calling us to a different way of living. And the access code to this different way of living is revealed right here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying that the blessing of experiencing the kingdom of God in the here and now is accessed through a particular posture of our soul, a posture of our heart. It's the posture of being poor in spirit, being poor in spirit. So what does this mean? Well, let's talk first about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean financial poverty, as if being financially poor is by default a spiritually blessed life. Two weeks ago during our Compassion Weekend, we heard stories of the millions of children around the world who right now are experiencing the emotional and physical trauma of poverty, lack of food, lack of clean water, all the, and all the health issues that come along with that. Diarrhea is one of the biggest issues children in poverty face. So to say that those children are blessed because they're poor is absurd. Now, this phrase poor in spirit is also not referring to a poverty mindset, which unfortunately I find myself struggling with frequently, uh, getting upset if my McDonald's app doesn't work uh, and I can't get my sweet tea for free, so I have to pay a dollar, you know, and then complain to the employee. I mean, afterwards, as I'm driving away from the drive-thru, I'm like, what is happening to me? That this cheap clinging to money thing. You know, that is not the life Jesus is describing. So what does being poor in spirit mean? Well, there's recently discovered evidence in the Dead Sea Scrolls that indicate that at the time of of Jesus, this idea of being poor in spirit referred to a particular posture of the heart in relation to God. To be poor in spirit was meant to come to God with absolutely nothing. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in Luke 18, Jesus told a story that vividly illustrates what it looks like to be poor in spirit and what it looks like to not be poor in spirit. So in this parable, Jesus told, two men went to the temple in order to pray. One was a tax collector. Tax collectors were viewed as the scum of the earth by the Jewish people because they were so corrupt and greedy. They hated tax collectors. And the other man that went to the temple to pray was a Pharisee whom the Jews looked up to as being the super spiritual, religious, holy one, okay? So both of these guys, get this in your mind, both of these guys go to the temple to pray. They are both interested in approaching God relationally, but they approach God in radically different ways. The Pharisee struts up to the front of the temple, standing by himself, and here's what he says in his prayer, Luke 18, Verse 11, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. See, notice on what basis he is approaching God, his own goodness, his own morality compared to the scum around him, his own giving record, his own devotion and diligence in fasting twice a week. He is not poor in spirit at all. He's not coming to God with nothing. He's coming to God with all the reasons why God should be so impressed with him. He's coming to God with his moral merit badges, right? Which in his mind make him deserving of God's acceptance and affirmation. Look at me, God. This is why you should listen to my prayer. Look at me and all that I've done. The tax collector, on the other hand, stood at a distance and he wouldn't even look up to heaven when he prayed. And Jesus said that this man beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He has nothing to offer God but his own sinfulness, his own brokenness. 
He has no spiritual merit badges to proudly display in order to earn God's acceptance and favor. Now, here's the deal. We need to understand that the people who are initially initially hearing Jesus tell this story, they would, at this point in the story, assume that the Pharisee is the one who will be accepted by God. After all, look at his record. Look at all the spiritual things he has done. The tax collector has done nothing but exploit people. Jesus' initial hearers fully believed that the kingdom of God was accessible to the most moral, to the upright. So here's the mic drop moment. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. To be justified means to be approved, to be accepted, to be welcomed. Apparently, the access code to the kingdom of God, the life of God flowing in and through us, is not our effort, our goodness, our church attendance record. The access code to God's presence is our emptiness, our brokenness, our awareness of our need. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And that's why it opens the door for us to experience the kingdom of God in that moment. If my hands are full of my own accomplishments and awards and spiritual merit badges, I have no room for Jesus. I have no need to trust him. I'm trusting in my own effort. But when I come to him empty-handed, with no merit of my own, undeserving of his mercy, and I'm willing to acknowledge that, The kingdom of heaven opens for me in that moment. Being poor in spirit is the access code to experiencing life in the kingdom. And this access code is available to anyone and everyone. In fact, let me say this even more clearly. The access code to life in the kingdom is available to failures, to rejects to the unattractive, the unpopular, to the slow, to the addicted, to the incarcerated, to those struggling with desires they don't want, to those who are obsessively pursuing things they don't need, to the empty, the broken, to those who cut themselves, to those who hate themselves, to those who starve themselves, to those who feel like God could never really love them after what they have done, to the sexual abuser as well as to the sexually abused. The access code to experiencing the presence and the acceptance and assistance of God, the access code to experiencing the kingdom in the here and now is available to anyone and everyone. Here's the access code, J-E-S-U-S. Jesus on the cross chose to experience rejection, unattractiveness, mocking, pain, shame, hatred, separation from God, so that he could meet us in those places in our lives, so that he can bring into our hearts his acceptance, his love, his power, his encouragement, his hope, his joy, his peace. All of those are aspects of his kingdom. And again, anyone and everyone has 24-7 access to that kingdom through Jesus. But here's the deal. You have to utilize the access code. 
And a lot of people are unwilling to do that. In fact, a lot of Christians are unwilling to do that. So why is that? Well, there are actually two ways we can miss out on experiencing the kingdom in the here and now. One way is by trusting in our own goodness, our own Bible knowledge, our own morality, like the Pharisee in the story. I mean, if I were to, if I were to stand outside this building and think to myself, I'm the senior pastor here. I've worked here for 30 years. I have people who report to me. I have influence. I don't need an access code. Guess what? I would not be able to get in this building unless someone sees me and lets me in. But on my own, my reputation means nothing. How many of us as Christians go through life sort of looking down on people who are not as moral as we are, not as devoted as we are, judging and pointing out the sins of others, all the while conveniently ignoring our own sins of pride or greed or anger or self-absorption or lack of love? I mean, just being honest here, how many of us, as we were hearing about the Pharisee praying in the temple, we were thinking to ourselves, I'm glad I'm not that guy. He's a loser. (laughs) But in doing that, we reveal we are that guy. We're looking down on him. We're grateful that we're not arrogant like he is. See, Jesus makes it very clear. When we start feeling confident in our own righteousness, and we start looking down on others who aren't as righteous as we are. And those things always go hand in hand. Like confidence in our own righteousness and then looking down on others who aren't as spiritual as we are. When we start feeling that, when we start doing that, we're not accessing life in the kingdom. We're not. We're not accessing life in the kingdom. We're not living in the fullness of what Jesus offers us because we're relying on, we're trusting in our own moral goodness. The only way to access the kingdom is by admitting our pride and our self-righteousness, and choosing to run to Jesus in our need, however often we need to do that, receiving his forgiveness in his life. Now, there's another way to miss the life Jesus offers us in the kingdom, and that's to say to ourselves, I'm not worthy. I have failed too many times. I have so messed up my life. I have done things I'm ashamed of sexually or relationally or ethically, Things have been done to me that make me feel dirty and unworthy. I don't even feel like I can pray given the struggle I have with some addiction. Given my past, I don't even feel worthy to call myself a Christian. You see, we convince ourselves, with the enemy's assistance, of course, we convince ourselves that we're not worthy. We're not even worthy to type in that access code. We're not worthy to enjoy the life God invites us to, to enjoy God's mercy and love and acceptance and value. We're not worthy of that. So we just keep living our lives, carrying our shame, struggling with our sin, secretly longing for God's love and acceptance and his presence into those areas of our lives. We long for that, but, but choosing to stay away from that access panel because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy. Here's what Jesus would say to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you who have failed. Blessed are you who struggle, who are broken, who carry the weight of a shame-filled past. Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Your brokenness, is actually what qualifies you to type in the access code. 
It's your awareness of your need that enables you to look to Jesus. He is your access code. You don't need to clean up your life to somehow earn his acceptance. You don't need to do penance for days or weeks or years. You don't need to continue to carry your shame and your failures like a ball and chain around your neck. No, just come to Jesus in your brokenness and inadequacy and failures and place your trust in his sufficiency, his work on the cross for you. Now, please hear me. This invitation includes those who have never turned to Jesus before, but it also includes those of us who have walked with Jesus for years. This invitation is a continual invitation. Jesus' continual invitation to us is this. Come to me. Lean on me. Stop trusting in your own effort, whether it's your own goodness or your own failures. Don't let those things keep you from accessing my kingdom. The access code is the same for all of us. Jesus. That's the only way to access the kingdom. He is available 24-7. But the only way to access the kingdom of God is by coming to Jesus with empty hands, saying to him, as often as we need to, saying to him, I have nothing to offer you but my own brokenness, my own grief, my own sin, my own shame, my own self-righteousness. Jesus, would you meet me in that place and bring your life and your love and your presence? See, that is the foundation. This is the foundation for life in the kingdom. If we miss this, we miss everything. In fact, the Apostle Paul understood this counterintuitive reality. He understood it in a profound way. So in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about a personal struggle he had. He called it a thorn in the flesh. That was a huge hardship to him. We don't know what it was. It could have been a nagging temptation. It could have been a physical or a mental struggle. We don't know what it was. What we do know is that he prayed for God to remove it. And here was God's response. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, how can that be? How can God's power be made perfect in our weaknesses? Here's how. Look at what Paul says next. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. And then check out this last statement. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Our weaknesses, our failures, our struggles become an incredible opportunity for us to experience Jesus in a greater way, to experience the kingdom of God in the here and now. This is so counterintuitive, but it is so true. I recently experienced this firsthand with COVID. You know, in a weird way, COVID was one of the best things to happen to me in the last few months. Um, I got it December 8th and had mild symptoms for a few days, but then I got hit really hard with nausea and anxiety. And there were many moments when I felt so hopeless and helpless as my mind was filled with anxious thoughts I didn't know what else to do <clears throat> except run to Jesus or crawl to Jesus more like it a lot of times and pray. Lots of my prayers were nausea-induced groanings. 
there were, there were a few times I asked Raylene to pray with me during that week, just to pray with me. And, and we begin to explore in prayer what this anxiety was rooted in. And God began to meet me in that place of desperation. He met me in that place, revealing afresh some very familiar idols that I had been placing my identity in. People's approval and worldly measurements of success And I began to repent afresh of what I'd been trusting in. And I asked Jesus to be my king, to be my sufficiency, to be my acceptance. And he met me there. He met me in that place of desperation and brokenness. He reminded me of his love for me. He he extracted some layers of self-sufficiency that had been growing around my heart. It was a painful and yet life-giving reminder to me that the kingdom of God is accessible to the poor in spirit, to the weary and broken and anxious and overwhelmed. Blessed are those who type in that access code. Blessed are those who continually look to Jesus as their all-sufficient Savior and King. Let's pray. So I want you to take a moment here, wherever you're watching this, if you're able just to close your eyes and quiet your heart. And I want you to hear this invitation from Jesus. It's an invitation to the broken, to the addicted, to the depressed, to the anxious, the self-confident, the lonely, those who have failed, those who have succeeded, those who struggle with desires they don't want or pursuing things they don't need. To anyone and everyone, this is Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Come to me. Bring to me your brokenness. Bring to me your weaknesses. Bring to me your successes, those things you've been trusting in. Bring all this to me. And trust, release it to me and trust me as your access code. Enable me to pour the life of my kingdom into your life. Now, this invitation, there are two groups of people I want to extend this invitation to. For some, maybe this is the first time you've ever said yes to Jesus. You, You realize maybe you've been trusting in your own effort, your own church attendance, your own whatever, character, hard worker, nice to people. You've you've been blinded by your own need. You just say, oh, God will accept me because I'm such a good person. The Bible says we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We all need a Savior. So if that's you, for the first time, you're saying, yeah, Jesus, I need you. And I want to enter into a relationship with you based on your work on the cross. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart? Dear God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I'm separated from you. 
I realize there's nothing I can do to earn my way to you. Which is why you sent Jesus, your son, to die on a cross for my sin. You took my failures and my shame and my brokenness and my sin. You took all that upon yourself, Jesus. Thank you. I choose right now to place my trust in you. And I receive your kingdom life and presence filling every part of me through the presence of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, my King. I love you. Change me from the inside out through the power of your love, of your kingdom. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray they would grow in their relationship with you and they would never lose sight of this posture of dependence upon you, leaning on you. And that as they abide in you, you would transform them. Second invitation I want to give here is for those of us who are in a relationship with Jesus. This invitation is for us as well. Maybe you've walked with Jesus for years or recently or whatever, but you're already in a relationship. But let me just ask this. Is there anything, as you're in a prayerful attitude, is there anything that's been keeping you from typing in that access code? Maybe it's busyness. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's shame. Maybe failures, weariness, fear. Feeling like God couldn't possibly draw near to you, love you, accept you because of what you've done, whatever. What is keeping you? If there's anything keeping you from typing in that access code and leaning on Jesus, coming to him, not trying to clean up your life to come to him, just coming to him the way you are. And so I want to invite you in this moment, just going to take a moment of quiet here. Come to Jesus. Would you come to him? Bring to him your shame, your failure, what happened last night, what, you know, what you're carrying, the, whatever you're carrying that's keeping you from that access code. Just come to him the way you are. Acknowledge that and receive his life that's given for you. So Jesus, thank you that you are available to us 24-7 in our need, in our failures, in our brokenness, in our fears, whatever we're experiencing, you're available to us. Thank you for dying on the cross, rising from the dead for us, and offering us this life in the kingdom, in the here and now. And we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. So we abide in you. We trust in you. We lean on you. And we want to continue to do that. We come to you, Jesus. Thank you for being our all-sufficient Savior and King. 